said. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue our journey through the gospel story of Jesus. If you're just joining us, we're, we're still just getting started on this journey through the gospels. And we're going to go through the four gospels of Jesus, but chronologically, rather than just through them chapter by chapter. And uh, so a couple weeks ago, we just talked about Jesus at the very beginning of time, the creator. Last week, we talked about the genealogy of Jesus. This is week three, and we still have not made it to Jesus actually being born. And we're not going to yet, because there's still more. There is so much. The word is so rich with things for us to jump into. And so we're going to do that today. I don't mean to start out on a negative here. But I want you to take a second and think about a major disappointment in your life. Hopefully you're not like, my children, no. (laughs) And I don't mean a little thing either. I don't mean like, oh, Starbucks was out of my Frappuccino. No, like something that like gets you at the core of your being. Something that you have struggled with. Something that affects the person that you are. A disappointment that has maybe had a part in playing who you are today. Do you have that? Is there something in your head? Okay. We're going to jump into a story this morning that talks about that. We're going to start with an older couple who has been dealing with a heart-wrenching disappointment for decades of their lives. Zechariah and Elizabeth, or your Bible might say Zacharias, same guy, different translations. They're an older couple who are advanced in age, as the Bible says, or one translation, I love it, says they are well stricken in years. (laughs) But Luke tells us that this couple were righteous before God and that they walked blamelessly in all of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So it's an older couple But they're righteous. They're good people. They are godly people. However, they have no children because Elizabeth is barren. And now she's too old to conceive a child. Now, this is a difficult thing in any context. For anybody who has struggled with not being able to have children, who wants children, that's difficult. But in their world, it was maybe even more difficult because in the world that Zech and Liz, which is what I'm going to call them now, because Zecharias and Elizabeth is just a lot of words, a lot of syllables. So Zech and Liz live in a world where if you don't have children, it is a financial and social devastating thing. Financially, there's no such thing as a retirement plan when they live. If you don't have children, you don't have somebody to take care of you when you get old. You don't have a future. And socially, it was believed at the time that if you didn't have children, it was because of some sin in your life, and God did not count you worthy of having children, which we know is not true. But that was what was believed at the time. And so they have been enduring this pain and disappointment for decades. And yet Luke tells us in the midst of all of that, they continue to be righteous and blameless before God. They continue to seek the Lord being faithful. And then, as is usually the case in the Bible, something incredible happens. If you have your Bibles or a device or anything you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 1. It will be on the screen as well. 
But I love it when you guys have Bibles. Makes me so happy. Is that big enough? Okay, good. I always wonder, like, how big I should make the the type, the font. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I have a long long chunk of scripture to read for you here. Stick with me. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children, no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside For the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day of these things takes place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, He was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Okay, so that's a lot. Let's unpack this a little bit. We have this older couple. Zech is a priest before God. But in those days, the priesthood worked very differently. There were not professional priests who year-round did the priestly duties. If you were a Jewish man from the tribe of Levi, then you were a priest before God. And so at this time, there's probably about 20,000 priests in Israel. And so they would take turns. They had divisions, 24 divisions of priests. And each individual priest would only serve for about two weeks a year, usually one week at a time. And when they would go do that, they would cast lots or like roll dice to decide who was going to do what job. Well, Zechariah cast lots, and he comes up with the role of burning sacrificial incense 
during one of the two daily ceremonies. And this was considered a great honor. Many people would never have the opportunity to do this in their whole life. And if you did have the blessing of being one of these priests who got to go into the temple, then you're only going to do it once in your lifetime. So as he's fulfilling this great honor, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears to him right next to the incense. And Zech does what everyone does when they see an angel. Do you remember all through the Old Testament, every time someone sees an angel, they go, ah, you're terrifying. We don't know exactly what these angels look like, but they weren't fat babies with wings. Okay? They are terrifying. He sees them and he's troubled. But the angel speaks those amazing words, which we've talked about so many times. Do not be afraid. He says, I'm coming with a word from the Lord. And then he says something incredible. I love this. The angel says to Gabriel, sorry, Gabriel the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, I don't know this for a fact. This is me. But I imagine that Zechariah has not been praying for a child for quite a while at this point. He is probably at some point in his well-advanced in age years accepted. This is just not going to happen for us. Which means that the angel is probably talking about prayers that he prayed decades ago. He says, your prayers have been heard. It means God does not forget the prayers and longings of our heart. He's talking about a prayer. Again, I'm, I'm reading into this. But I bet Zechariah has has already long since said, this isn't going to happen. But God is still answering prayers that he prayed decades ago when he was a young man, just starting out in life and, and longing for children. Gabriel says, your prayers have been answered. I think, in my life at least, I don't know about you, the hardest answer to a prayer is wait. I would rather get a solid no, to be honest. Pray, God, am I supposed to do this? No? Okay. Am I supposed to do this? Yes? Great. But when God says, wait, that's tough. I don't know about you, but one of my toxic traits is I love instant gratification. I love it so much. I want it now. Right? This is the dumbest thing. Like, if I see something online that I want, I won't order it because I'm like, I'm going to have to wait like a week. It's so dumb, but it's true. I was like, I wish it was a Target. I'd go get it right now. Like, I'm terrible at this. And yet God so often, so often, the answer to our prayers is not no. It's now's not the right time. Just wait. Now, it's a lot different waiting for decades for a child, but this is what Zechariah is, it's his position. So Gabriel tells Zech that Elizabeth will in fact conceive and bear a son. But not just any son. He says, this son will be great before the Lord, that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That he will have the spirit and power of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet. That he will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And that he will make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I love that line. Just side note, 
make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt that for me. That's my job. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Gabriel tells Zech, you shall call his name John. Which means Jehovah is gracious. You've been waiting for decades for a child and then you say, God, you're so gracious to bring me this blessing. He tells him that the boy should be different than others. That he shall not drink from the vine. That he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. He may have, we don't know this, he may have been a child who took a Nazarite vow. Which is, if you remember the story of Samson. It doesn't tell us here that it's a Nazarite vow. It doesn't tell us that he's not allowed to cut his hair or anything. But John may have been a Nazarite. But he is set aside from the, from the moment of his conception. He is set aside to do something incredible for the Lord. And the angel is telling Zechariah this. But notice Zechariah's reaction to this news. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. First, I want to note that Zechariah is a smart man. He says, I'm an old man. But he doesn't say, and my wife's an old lady. He says, I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. The smart man. But what's not smart is when a terrifyingly powerful angel of the Lord shows up and tells you something directly, and you say, how am I going to know? And I love Gabriel's reaction to this. He's like, how are you going to know? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. He's like, what do you mean? How do you? I'm, I'm me. And I just told you. Gabriel is the same angel. If you read through the Bible, he's the same angel that contended with the devil over the body of Moses. He's the same angel that spoke to the prophet Daniel. Soon he's going to speak to Mary about the coming of the Messiah. He is what we would call a reliable source of information. (laughs) And then I love this. Gabriel decides that Zechariah needs a timeout. A grown-up timeout. He says, you know what? You're going to be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Bible commentator Daryl Bach says, this is Gabriel just saying, hey, be quiet and watch. Be quiet and watch what's about to happen. This is incredibly interesting to me because if you read through the whole Bible, there's other stories where people who doubt the declarations of God aren't punished. We're going to read next week about Mary. She, she doesn't doubt, but she's like, I don't really understand. And she's not punished. And there's stories. So it's, it's almost like God's not fair. Because Zechariah is punished for his doubt, but others aren't. So this leads to a question. Like, is God fair? And does God treat different people differently? I think there's an easy answer to this. There's no such thing as fair. My parents used to say that to me when I was a kid, and I hated it. Guess what I say to my kids all the time now? There's no such thing as fair. 
And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, that sounds negative. Like, there's no such thing as fair. We should bow down on our knees and thank Jesus that he is not fair. That he doesn't treat everyone exactly the same because we are all different. If God treated us fairly, then we all deserve to be handed over to our sin and eternally broken in relationship from him. That's what would be fair. All of us are lost. Fairness would be that we each get what we personally deserve, which is jack squat. Fairness is not God's goal. His goal is holiness. And the way that he does that is with grace and mercy. And that looks different for each of us. If you read through the scriptures, everyone has this interaction with God, and God treats them differently because he knows their hearts and he knows their minds. He knows how they need to be treated. Adam and Eve had to be called out face to face by God in the garden. Abraham needed to be tested. Moses needed to talk to a burning bush. David needed a friend, an accountability partner, to come and tell him what you're doing is messed up. And on and on down the list, God knows our hearts and our minds, and so he doesn't treat us all fairly or exactly the same. He treats you how you need to be treated. He treats you according to who he has made you to be. I went through a season of my life 20 years ago where I felt like God withheld any sense of his presence from my life. He, he held himself back to me, and at the time I needed that because I had taken for granted his presence in my life. Now, maybe you never have to go through that. But maybe you go through something completely different because God knows you. Maybe you can think of something in your life where God has done something specific or brought you through something specific to make you more the person he's created you to be. Hebrews 12.6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. And I love this from Pastor J.D. Greer. Discipline is not God trying to pay you back. It's God trying to bring you back. So true. God doesn't punish us to pay us back. Jesus already took the punishment upon himself at the cross. But God disciplines us to bring us back to who we were meant to be. Well, in this case, in our story today, Zechariah needs a timeout. He needs to be alone in his own head for a while to consider the goodness and blessing of God, to remember that he has walked in righteousness and blamelessness with a God who can create everything out of nothing, who can bring Israel to freedom from slavery, who can bring them into the promised land, when he starts to think about God, he needs to spend some time alone thinking, is there anything that God can't do? And it's interesting too, I don't actually blame Zechariah for having some doubt because he is at a time where there has been 400 years of silence from God. From the end of the Old Testament prophets to the beginning of the Gospels, there's 400 years where we don't really hear anything 
big from God. And so the last things he has, he has the scriptures, which are centuries old, and now the New Testament is starting. He doesn't know that at the time. And now suddenly, an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah, and it's the first message from God to his people for generations. It's understandable that he wants some proof of this, but God wants to bring Zechariah to a better place of understanding that he is going to do something incredible. Here's another thing I find fascinating about this story. And I'm going to jump into some like really nerdy Bible stuff for a second. Not sorry. Okay. When God reintroduces himself into doing amazing works in Israel, which is kind of what we're seeing here, he goes back to doing something that he has done over and over and over again in the Old Testament. He opens a barren womb. Do you remember these stories of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and the prophet Samuel's mother, Hannah, and Samson's mom, who doesn't even get named, poor lady. She's just Samson's mom. But over and over again in the Old Testament, we see these stories of God opening a barren womb. There is something that God does where he miraculously brings life from the darkness. In the Bible, this is something that uh, Bible scholar Robert Alter calls this a type scene. God using the same types of situations over and over and over again to communicate the truths that we need to be reminded of. And this truth is that God can bring life from barrenness. Opening a barren womb is a sign that God is renewing his work amongst the people of Israel as he has done so many times, and now he's about to do something absolutely incredible. Okay, back to our story. Zechariah walks out of the temple after all this happens, and people know that something happened because he's supposed to walk out and deliver the Aaronic blessing, which is the blessing that I deliver to you guys every Sunday at the end of church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. He's supposed to walk out from burning the incense and say that, and they all praise God for the, for the sacrifice. But he walks out, can't talk. He's trying to make some signs. Somehow they figure out, like, oh, he saw a vision, something happened. They don't know exactly what, but he can't speak. He's trying to communicate. He can't, so he goes home. Soon after that, Elizabeth conceives and becomes pregnant. And Luke tells us that she keeps herself hidden and says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This last part struck me as extremely odd as I was studying this week. The last part, I started to think about this. If you're an older woman who has longed since your youth to be a mother, to have children, and you've struggled in prayer for decades and you haven't had a child, And then suddenly in your older age, you conceive and all of your prayers are answered and your reputation amongst the people being unworthy of children and you're stressed about the future. All of that is taken away. 
Why would you then hide yourself for five months? Why would you put yourself away? I pondered this for a while while I was studying, and I couldn't come up with anything. It like, didn't make sense to me. And then I went out. I was studying at home that day, and I went out. And my wife was in the backyard playing with our son in the mud. And I, and I walked back there, and I, said, and I said all those things, like, why would you, if you're an older woman, blah, I said all these things. And my wife answered immediately, without even hesitating. And she said she didn't want to get made fun of for being an old mom. She didn't want people telling her how hard it was going to be to be the mom of a precocious little boy in her old age. She didn't want all of the well-meaning women to come and give her all the pieces of advice that were going to help her in this you know, difficult time of her life. She didn't want people to rain on her parade. She wanted to just rejoice in the incredible blessing of God taking away her reproach and giving her the blessing of finally having a child. I don't know this, but I think my wife has some wisdom. Actually, I do know that. I don't know if what that wisdom is true, but I think she's got something there. She just wanted to take some time and give glory to God that he had done something incredible in her and not let anybody give their advice or their mockery or anything. She just wanted to rest in the blessing of God, and I think there's something beautiful about that. So we're going to pick up their story. Don't worry, if you're looking through this, we are going to come back and talk about Mary next week. But we're going to jump ahead to Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 66. This is a very long chapter. Verse 57, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wandered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all of the neighbors and all of these things that were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them in their hearts saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him? The idea here is through all of this pregnancy, Zechariah hasn't been able to communicate what the angel told him to name the child John. And Elizabeth says, his name is John. Everyone's like, why would you name him John? There's no Johns in your family. And then he goes, they go, they talk to Zechariah. And then we notice here, if you read carefully, apparently not only was Zechariah mute, but he was deaf. Because they have to make signs to him, and then he has to grab the, the tablet and so this whole time of this pregnancy, he has been just completely in his own head. And in that moment that he names him, he suddenly regains all of his faculties. And the people who saw this knew that God was at work and that God was going to do something incredibly special in this child. And all of a sudden, Zechariah's time out is over. 
And he has watched for the last nine plus months the love of his life, Elizabeth, even though she was well stricken in years, create life within her body. To bring a life into the world that fulfill the blessing of God, not only on them, but on the world. He couldn't speak. He couldn't hear. But for this whole pregnancy, he has watched as God did something incredible. And then he begins to praise God. He hasn't spoken for a long time, so he's got a lot to say. He begins to praise God in verse 67 through 80. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the, children, and the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Tell you what, Zechariah hasn't spoken for a long time, but when he finally opens his mouth, he brings fire. And this is, a, this is a poem or a song, or you could call it a New Testament, Testament psalm. And he starts to begin praising God. And he speaks of the coming of the Messiah, that God is going to visit his people and bring redemption. He starts out his prophecy by talking about the redemption of God's people. He speaks about the Messiah being the horn of salvation, like a powerful ox horn coming at you. He speaks of the fulfillment of the prophecies of the prophets and the patriarchs that said the Messiah would come. And then he speaks of his own son, John, that he will be a prophet of God who goes before the Messiah to prepare the path of his ways. And then he speaks of the forgiveness of sins that will come with that Messiah. And that John will shine a light upon the Messiah and point people that are in darkness to the light. This boy, John, that we now know as John the Baptist, who is pointing to Jesus all along. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. If you look at the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, which is going to point towards the New Testament, Malachi says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then Malachi, in the last chapter of his last book of the Old Testament, says, remember this, think back. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This boy, John, is the fulfillment of the end of the Old Testament, pointing forward to what God is going to do before Jesus even comes. Does that sound familiar? Did a certain angel, who is a good source of information, speak these words to Zechariah? Zechariah doubted because it was bigger than he could imagine. And then one of the most incredible two words in the Bible, but God stepped in and did something. He did something impossible. He opened the barren womb of a older lady and he brought life into the world from the darkness. They had dealt with disappointment their entire lives. And God did not forget them. What is the disappointment that you've been struggling with? When we started this, what is this disappointment that you still struggle with? I want you to remember today that no matter what it is, God can step in and do anything. He has not failed to hear your prayers or the cries of your heart. No matter how long ago those prayers and cries were made, I'm not saying God is going to do whatever you name and claim. That is not what I'm saying. I don't believe that theology. But what I am saying is God is fully capable of stepping into that disappointment, that situation that seems impossible, and bringing healing or life out of the darkness. Don't miss this part of the story of Zechariah and Liz. They have been dealing with disappointment and pain for a long time, but they continue in righteousness. They continue in blamelessness, seeking to follow the Lord. They give the Lord their whole lives, and ultimately God uses them to bring a blessing into the world, a child that will be the forerunner of Jesus, coming into the world, God in the flesh, even if you have been waiting Even if, as you sit here today, you are dealing with that disappointment and pain, I want you to listen to me, okay? God hears you. He loves you. He's never going to abandon you. And he is with you in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. Just as he was with a couple that was well-stricken in years, who waited a lifetime But in the end, they were blessed beyond measure to be a part of what God was doing to build his kingdom. Let's pray.